You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Guys, we're going to be in Acts chapter 22 today. Acts chapter 22, if you want to join me in your Bibles there. Our ushers do have Bibles that if you want to raise your hand, they'll give you one to either borrow or take home as our gift to you. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in this situation when you're in a conversation with somebody? Maybe it's a group setting. Maybe you're having a conversation with one person. And you just have this sense that a topic comes up that you ought to say something now. Like, now's the moment. I should speak up. I think I should speak up now. And you hesitate. Man, I don't know if it's my place to say something. I don't know if I'm going to say it the right way. I'm not sure what I should say. You have that moment when you feel like you should say something, but you hold off. So in the Christian realm, see, God calls us to talk about Jesus to our friends, Talk about Jesus to our family. We open our mouths at some point and share who Jesus is. You ever have that moment also where conversation is happening, but something spiritually related comes up. So they're not talking about God or death or the afterlife or religion or Jesus or whatever. And you get this distinct impression that God himself is prompting you to open your mouth and to say something about Jesus. And you hesitate really normal, right? You're not sure if if it's time. You're not sure if they would actually receive what you're sharing with them. You're not sure if you'd say it the right way or mess it up. What do I even say? It's a real common thing. What if I told you there's a real simple, powerful, easy story you have that you're the expert at, that you absolutely can do it, that if you share this story, it can change someone's life and you already know it completely. It's your story. It's the story of how you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Today we're going to see Paul before a large crowd. This is a group of Jewish people very angry with him. He shares his story in four chapters. Chapter 1 of his story, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And if you have Jesus as Savior, you have the very same four chapters, all four chapters. What if I told you this is how you share your story? When you don't know what to say, share this. And if you don't have Jesus as Savior yet... You have at least one and a half chapters. And maybe God's brought you here today to finish writing chapter two of your story. And so I do want to welcome those of you guys who are here at our Overland Park campus. Welcome, guys. Uh, Those of you who are part of our Olathe campus team, we had to push the soft launch of our Olathe campus by one week because our shipping company was unwilling to ship during Icemageddon 2017. And for those of you who are online, you are surviving ice spaghetti. And let's just be honest, it is really hard to be a meteorologist. It is, it's like going and playing dice sometimes. It's just really hard making accurate predictions. That's a hard job. So it just wasn't very bad when I drove here. That's awesome. And so here today... We're gonna, we have a series right now that is built around two thoughts. The series is called Your Story. Here are the two thoughts around this series. Number one, you have a story. And your story is important to God. Your story is unique. You have a story. Here's the other thought if you're taking notes in this series. Other thought number two, your story 
is a part of his story. Your story is part of his story. That's God's story. That's history. History is his story. And so you have this incredibly important, unique story. We're going to see today Paul share his story that models for us the four chapters we can share. I'll point out in Acts. Luke writes the the book of Acts as a follow-up to the Gospel of Luke. And he actually records Paul's salvation story not once, not twice, three times. Wow, that's a lot of real estate to give to Paul's conversion story. Yes, Paul's conversion is one of the evidences of the truth of Christianity. How can you take this guy so anti-Christian and turn him to a radical person willing to die? That's amazing. But the other part of it is this. Luke records it so you can know the power of your story. Because Luke records it in Acts chapter 9. That's what Paul told Luke about his story, one-on-one. Acts 22, how did Paul customize his story for a Jewish audience? Acts 26, how did Paul customize his story before a Gentile, a non-Jewish king, a Roman king? And here we see, your story has four chapters, but you will customize the details of your story based on the audience, the relevance of certain details in their life to, to have connecting points, touch points in their life. So let's start with a couple questions as we begin. First question, when is the last time you shared your story of how you met Jesus with someone, with anyone? Like when is the, yeah, when is the last time, think yourself, when is the last time I sat down and I shared my story of how I met Jesus with someone, with anyone? When was that? You have a story, it's powerful. Here's my other question for you. Do you have a story of how you met Jesus? Or today are one and a half chapters of your four-chapter story finished, and now it's time to finish chapter two, meeting Jesus as Savior. So let's pray. We'll dive into Paul's story. Lord, we do come to you, and we ask you to meet with us. We ask you to open up your word. And see how Paul, in an incredible, simple, and powerful way, shared his story in four chapters. Chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. We have the very same chapters. Help us to learn that we can share this story. It's super easy for us. It is powerful for us. It is what we share when we don't know what to say. We ask permission. Hey, can I share my story with you? And boom, we're sharing who Jesus is. Thank you. For making us part of your story, his story, history. If someone online right now, someone here, doesn't know Jesus as Savior, may they complete chapter 2. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how do we share our story with someone? How, we start with chapter 1. Chapter 1, if you're taking notes, is this. Your life or my life before Jesus. What is chapter 1? That's my life before Jesus. And if you want to know how God views your life before Jesus, you can write down Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 describes the theology or the spiritual nature of what it looks like to be spiritually dead. That was your life before Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2. But it does look different for different people. And so what is chapter 1 of Paul's story before he met Jesus? Look at Acts 22, verse 1. Paul begins talking to this Jewish mob Brethren and fathers, hear my defense 
before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, you see, people who are locals in Jesus' day spoke the language of Jesus, Aramaic. The disciples spoke the language of Aramaic. People in Jerusalem, Aramaic. Different accents in the north and the south, but it all was Aramaic. That was a local language. If you were an out-of-towner, you spoke Greek. That was the language of the empire. And so here they are. They're expecting to speak Greek. He just spoke Greek to these Roman soldiers. And he turned, don't miss this, when he shares his testimony, he spoke Aramaic, the language of the locals. When you share your story, make sure you're speaking their language. Not your language. Make sure you're using terms they would understand. Making, you're speaking their language so they can understand actually what you're talking about. Not in some language they don't understand, but terminology they don't get. He goes on in verse 3. How do you share your story? Start when you were born. He says this. I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. So many great elements here of a great chapter one of your story, my story. First of all, you share what religion you were raised. I'm a Jew, he says. Where were you born? You share that. Where were you raised and educated? He says Jerusalem under Gamaliel's school. And he even compliments this group that want to kill him about their zealousness for God. He's trying to make this, he's saying, hey, I I get it. I get it. You're passionate for God. Notice what he avoids, though. When he tells his same story, chapter 1, to the Roman king in in Acts 26, he shares with him, hey, I was a Pharisee. But saying he was a Pharisee was a divisive comment to that crowd. It'd be like starting your, your first story and you want to connect with somebody relationally. Say, hey, well, let me tell you my story. First of all, as we get started, I want you to know I'm a Democrat and proud of it. Or you say, listen, I'm a Republican and we're right. That's a divisive topic. And so what, what Paul, he's a Pharisee, but he just says this. Guys, was I passionate about religion? Absolutely. He avoids the Pharisee-Sadducee division because that's a non-essential for his story at this moment and divisive. And he goes on, verse 4, a great chapter, one of your story, shares what you regret about your life before Jesus. Verse 4, here's what he regrets. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Great chapter 1, hey, I, I have regrets. I used to arrest and vote on the murder of people like me. And he used the term, the earliest term for Christianity was called the way or the road. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hey, what religion are you? Well, we're part of what's called the way or the road. That was the earliest term for us, the church. And he shares this regret, great thing in chapter 1, to share some of your regrets. And then, verse 5, as also the high priest bears me witness. And all the council of the elders... From whom I received letters to the brethren. He had written authority to arrest people in their houses. And I went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there back to Jerusalem, to be punished. So what was chapter 1 of Paul's story? He was a very religious Jew, born outside of the town, but raised in Jerusalem. Great school, Gamaliel, so passionate for God, 
He used to arrest people like him and vote on their murder, and he regrets that. And he had written authority to go arrest more people in their houses for committing the crime of doing what we're doing. That, that was Paul's chapter one of his story. So I asked a number of people, staff, board, deacons, and others to share their story in four chapters, and he, I received a whole bunch of stories. Here's just a few of chapter one of other people's stories. Many people talked about how selfish they were in their chapter one before they met Jesus. One guy wrote this, I was very selfish. Everything I did was about me having fun. I could care less about people or their problems. The selfishness of chapter one of their story before Jesus. People talked about emptiness before Jesus. One lady wrote this, before Jesus, I had this lonely, empty feeling that I can't quite describe. The emptiness of chapter one of their story. Others talked about the ignorance of their life or the conceitedness they had. People talked about searching in their chapter one, searching. One guy wrote this, I was completely focused on work and pursuing the next promotion in the belief that a bit more challenge and a little more money would make me happy. Searching for something. People talked about questioning in chapter one of their story before Jesus, or trying to be good. One lady wrote this, I don't really remember what I was like before Jesus because I was so young. I always tried to be good. And that's different. Some people have a very radical kind of conversion story. People, here's a couple stories like that. One guy wrote this, early on, I dealt with an identity crisis due to not liking my own skin color and experiencing racism. I would go on to hang out with multiple murderers, various criminals and gang members. I turned to lust, seeking out women due to my identity crisis. Another guy wrote this. I was a drug-selling lost kid. I grew up without a dad. I was a gang member to have a sense of family belonging. And you hear these amazing radical conversion stories, like the last lady before that said, I don't really remember because I was so young. And, you know, sometimes you kind of feel bad. You don't have a worse story. You feel bad. You're like, man, I wish I was a crack dealer too. (laughs) Don't ever wish that. What are you talking about? You see, (laughs) that's pretty funny. (laughs) Having the story that you don't remember what it was like is the way it should be. That's the ideal story. Here's the ideal story. I was raised in church. My family followed God. I received Christ. I don't remember. That is what it should be. Don't ever apologize for that story. That is the way it absolutely should be. One more person wrote this. A Muslim who came to Jesus. I didn't know what love was. There wasn't even the word for it in the language of my immigrant parents. A Muslim from South Asia. I didn't fit in anywhere. And I could never live up to all the rules of Islam. There's a whole bunch of stories here. We heard about Paul's chapter 1 before Jesus. Other people's story. We're going to give you the chance now to write your elevator speech. Your one sentence for each of the chapters. Go go ahead and create an email right now. Email stories at visitgracechurch.com. Create an email or write on a piece of paper. And then write number 1. Write stories at visitgracechurch.com. Write number 1. Here's the question to answer in one sentence. What was my life before Jesus. Get your phone out, email visit grace, stories at visitgracechurch.com and write number one. Yeah, one sentence. What was my life before Jesus? I'll give you a chance to write that down.
This one's a fun one to think about. In the sense that if you see change, God did that in you. That's awesome. So how do we share our story with somebody? Simple four, it's simple, it's easy, it's powerful. Four chapters, chapter one, my life before Jesus. Chapter two, if you're taking notes, chapter two, how I met Jesus. You share how you met Jesus. And Paul does share that story of how he met Jesus. It was quite an amazing experience. Jesus actually appeared to him and talked to him physically. Look what it says here in Acts chapter 22, verse 6. It says, Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. When he tells the same story to the Roman king in Acts 26, he adds the detail. Yeah, that's, that light of Jesus was brighter than the sun. So to get relief from the light of Jesus, staring at the sun would be relief from that light. Basically, he hits the ground. He's trembling at this moment. And <clears throat> it says this, verse 7. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, Paul persecuted many people, but no one with the power to strike him down and speak to him from heaven. So he speaks out of this person who's God. He says this in verse, in verse 8, so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, a horrific realization, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. I think he had thought at least a couple of thoughts at that moment. Number one, I've never met you, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't persecute you personally. What are you talking about? But then he thought this. Ah, so persecuting the church is persecuting you. You take this really personally. And Jesus does that. When you get persecuted, by the way, by somebody because of your faith, Jesus says they're persecuting not you, me. And he's horrified. He makes this comment. It says this in verse eight, 9. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, here's this moment. What shall I do, Lord? This is the moment that he prayed to receive Jesus. He recognized publicly, Jesus is Lord. He knew he was alive and resurrected. He knew he was Lord of all. This is the moment he was born again, rejuvenated. This was the moment everything changed for Paul. Kneeling down, trembling on a road. And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. What was Paul's chapter 2 of his story? I was headed with actually written authority to arrest people. And a light came and Jesus spoke to me. I saw him and I received Jesus bowed down, blinded on a road. Nowhere near a church. On a road of all places. That was his story. So we asked people for their stories, their chapter 2 of their stories. Here's several. Many people talked about how their family was how they met Jesus. Their family. One person wrote, this guy said, my parents taught me about the word. And that's the way God wants it. He, his ideal world is that your parents teach you about the word of God. People talk about friends, meeting friends who led them to Christ or having neighbors lead them to Christ. Or meeting Christ in a church service, accepting Jesus at the end of a church service during an invitation prayer. 
One lady talked about going to vacation Bible school for years at many places, but now she's an adult and her life is falling apart and she's on the road. She pulls her car over. Here's what she says. I pulled over under a bridge. She's on the road and literally yelled and cried like a baby in my car, asking if he was real to help me know he was real. I then sang every VBS song I could remember. And I broke down and begged him to forgive me and to save me. Here's a lady that VBS invested in her. She received Christ in her car under a bridge on the road. People talk about meeting Christ at summer camp or during pre-marriage counseling or at a Christian school or at a Christian concert or during a personal crisis. Many people talk about the family church partnership or the friend church partnership. A friend brought me to church It was the friend and the church working together, or their family. One person said, my mom always made sure I went to church on Sundays. Then my Sunday school teacher taught me about Jesus, the partnership of family and church or friends and church. See, that's their stories. That's their story. We heard Paul's story, his chapter 2. What's your chapter 2? We'll give you a second to write this down. Write down somewhere. Number 2, email stories at visitgracechurch.com. Here's the question. How did I meet Jesus? What is your one-line summary? Yeah, how, where was I at or how did I actually meet Jesus? I'll give you a second for that. That's a fun one, too. I met Jesus because I was at a Bible study in Blue Springs at some guy's house. Another guy took me up into a study, walked me through the Bible verses, and I bowed my knee and confessed Jesus as Lord. How do you meet Jesus? And if you've not met Jesus yet, you at least have a chapter and a half. And maybe today, God wants you to finish chapter two. I, I, was, at, I was at Grace. I was watching Grace service online, and I've been a part of church for years, and I realized... I've not received Jesus as Savior. I need to do it now. Maybe finish chapter two. All right, how do you tell your story to somebody? It's so simple, so powerful. This is who I was, chapter one, before Jesus, and this is how I met Jesus. And then chapter three of our story, chapter three, how Jesus changed me. How Jesus changed me. And again, you can write down Ephesians two. Go back and read Ephesians two. You'll see all the ways Jesus changed you on the inside. And it looks differently In the initial change, here's Paul telling about how he was radically changed after meeting Jesus. Acts 22, verse 11, says this. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Talk about a change. He went there to arrest people because he hated them. And now he was being led by the hand, willing to the people that he had hated before. Verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. Ananias was a Jew who received Jesus 
still had a good reputation among his community. Verse 13, he came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. In another version of his account, he tells the story of Ananias laying hands physically on him, praying for him, and then things almost like scales falling out of his eyes. Here's Ananias' message to him. He's discipling him. He, then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, Paul, that you should know his will and see the just one. You saw Jesus and hear the voice of his mouth. I mean, Jesus audibly talked to you. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What was chapter 3 of Paul's story? I went there with letters to arrest people. And I found myself willing to be discipled by the very people that I had hated. That was a radical change only God could do. I asked people for their stories. What was chapter 3, how Jesus changed them in their stories? Many people talked about how their whole self-identity was radically changed when they met Jesus. One guy said this, Jesus opened my eyes, like the scales came off, to the fact that I was not a mistake because of my sins or my failed marriage. He saw himself as God saw him now, accepted, whole, forgiven. One young lady wrote this. Jesus began to reveal to me that he had created me just as he saw fit. I began to become more comfortable with myself. Their identity seen through God's eyes. People talk about desiring a relationship with God they never had before. That's a change. Or having peace now. They never had before. One guy said, I felt like a truck was taken off my back. That's a change. That's peace. Or having newfound purpose, that God gave him purpose now in the change, or their attitudes changed. One guy wrote this, I have learned to be more patient, to care for others, to be more selfless, have more self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. He saw Christ working in him, changing his attitudes. People seeking God's guidance for the first time after receiving Christ. Or having radical changes. Or not sensing a radical change at the start at all. Here's one guy. I don't have a radical conversion story. But I see Jesus. I believe I've been uniquely equipped by Jesus for each different season in my life. Jesus kept changing him, equipping him as new challenges came around, but he sensed Christ in him. Guys, that's their chapter three, how God changed them. Here's the question for you. You can write in your notes, email stories at visitgracechurch.com. What's your chapter three? Ask, think back now. How did Jesus change me? Yeah, that's a good question. How did Jesus change me? That's your chapter three of your powerful story. I'll give you a moment.
That's a fun one, too. This is one of the reasons I knew receiving Christ was real to me, because I saw differences in my attitudes that I wasn't trying to change. Jesus just changed them. It was him living in me. That's how I knew. I sensed his presence. All right, so how do you share your story with somebody? Where do you start? Start with who you were before Jesus, chapter 1. Then chapter 2, this is how I met Jesus. Then chapter 3, this is how Jesus changed me. Many people stop there. They're missing a whole chapter. They're like, you know, 40 years ago, man, was I some yahoo 40 years ago. And then I met Jesus 40 years ago. And then, boy, he changed me back then. That's it. Like, seriously, nothing? What has God been doing in your life? Chapter 4 is this one. It's huge. What Jesus is doing in my life today. That's chapter 4. Jesus is always doing something in your life. He's always either changing something or moving you or prompting you or shaping you or encouraging you. What is that thing he's doing in your life today? That's chapter 4. Here at Acts chapter 22, verse 17, you see Paul begin to share the story. And this is why that mob was so angry. They were fearful of Paul changing the Jewish customs. They were fearful of Paul bringing non-Jewish people, Gentiles, and defiling the temple. False accusations, but that's what they're afraid of. But he decides to go for it and share the story. Yes, God is doing today in my life to reach people who are not Jewish. He took that risk. That was what God was doing Today, he says, verse 17, to this angry mob, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and I saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So when you read this account in other places, I think he told Luke back in Acts 9, it says the whole church was trying to talk Paul into leaving. Paul, get out. Leave. They're going to kill you. And it makes me wonder if Paul was so hard-headed at this moment that it took Jesus himself to say, get out of here. Listen to your friends. They're right. You're wrong. Get out. He finally leaves. But here's what Paul says. Verse 19. So I said, Lord... They know that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, it's back in Acts 7, I also was standing by, consenting, agreeing to his death, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. I guarded the clothes to free up their arm to throw rocks and stone him to death. Then he said to me, here's what God's doing in his life today. Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish people. God was sending him out. Like we're sending a plant over to Olathe. We're going to send out churches. That was doing a day. And when he said the word Gentiles, they lost it because that was their fear. Customs changing, defiling the temple. But he took the risk and told chapter 4 of his story. That's what Paul was having Jesus do in his life today. We have people with their stories. They shared what Jesus is doing today in their life. Some people talked about Jesus wanting them to love him in new ways, more full ways today. Others, seeing themselves as God sees them today. Or trusting Christ in new ways 
today. One person wrote this, a lady wrote this. He is reminding me that he is in control of every little thing. And even if I don't understand at times or never see it come to pass in my lifetime, his word is true and he is faithful. Challenge to trust God today. Other people wrote about walking with God in new ways today. One lady said this, Jesus is leading my life daily today, guiding my decisions. One guy wrote this, Jesus today is calling me to deeper levels in my prayer life. That's what God is doing today in his life. And then people talked about focusing on God today or God working to invest in others today or reaching the corporate world as a missionary at his job. One guy wrote this, Jesus is equipping me to serve in the mission field known as corporate America, specifically helping me to witness to two coworkers who are so close to accepting him. After more than three years of pursuing each of them, that's amazing, and I have one atheist coworker. I've pursued for more than eight years at my job. Jesus today was calling him to embrace his calling as a missionary at his job or reaching the nations or glorifying God. Jesus is working today in people's life. What about you? Ask yourself chapter four. What's my chapter four? What is Jesus doing in my life today? Write down number four. You could email stories at visitgracechurch.com. Number four, what's he doing today in my life? I'll give you a moment. I know in my life, there's a variety of things he's doing today. But as I sat, actually, as I was worshiping with our worship team earlier, I was singing. I think Jesus impressed upon my soul another thing he was impressing upon me. Just the value and love and attention to be fully focused on him. And that was literally just today. that <laughs> I was just sensing God prompting me about it. It was exciting. That's exciting. Guys, God, God wants you to share your story. You're, you and I are both called to evangelize. You don't know what to say? You are the expert in this topic. It's so simple. It's so easy. Here's how I was before Jesus. And yeah, here's how I met Jesus. And here's how he changed me back then. And here's what he's doing today in my life. When is the last time that you shared your story of how you met Jesus with someone? With anyone? When's the last time? And wouldn't it be great to pray and have a chance to share your story this week with somebody? A guy grabbed me just this morning because we prayed together as a church. God, give us a chance this week to share your story. And he grabbed me and he says, Tim, I went out to eat last night after service and the waiter came over to me and he said these words. Hey, man, what's your story? So I said, I'll tell you my story. And he shared his four-chapter story and said their stories are really similar. And the guy said, wow, I, I think I want to visit your church with you. Like, that's amazing. Whoever asked to hear your story, that's awesome. God wants you to share your story. He wants to give you the chance. We're going to pray in a moment to give you a chance to share your story. If you have a grace group, I encourage you to take a one-week hiatus from your topic 
And everybody practice, set a timer three to five minutes and share your elevator speech, your four-chapter story. This week, practice your story in your grace group. We have a one-night class coming up called Sharing Your Story. It's coming on Wednesday, January 25th. Wednesday, January 25th from 6.30 to 8. It's called Sharing Your Story. Child care is provided for free if you register. But join us Wednesday, January 25th to get better at sharing your story. Here's my question also. Do you have a story? What is your story of meeting Jesus? Or is today the day God wants you to finish chapter 2? Yeah, I was at Grace. It was that morning or I was watching online and I knew it was time. That's when I bowed my knee. That's when I confessed Jesus as my Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the chance to gather together in freedom the most spiritual and public freedoms we have. And God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for who we were before Christ and how you met us and changed us, what you're doing today. These are all ways you're working in us. God, I'm going to pray for us again. Just like my friend who shared his story last night, when somebody asked, hey, what's your story? Give us that chance. Make it so clear. Every one of us this week, I want to share my story. Give me the chance. We want to share our story. Give us the chance. It's so simple. It's so easy. We're the expert. And what a great way to glorify God to tell somebody, anybody, about who you are. I pray also if somebody is worshiping online right now or they're right here on our campus, and it is time. The Spirit of God is prompting them, calling them to receive you. Please. May they, like Paul on the road to Damascus, bow the knee, confess Jesus as Lord, as the risen one, the one who died and rose again, and ask you, what should I do, Lord? I'm surrendering. And God, we do this because you love us so much. How incredible your love is to us. And we just love you and thank you for your unconditional love we could never earn. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.